0: morning, Soma Church. Uh, As I just mentioned, my name is John. Um, As you know, I'm one of the elders here. Um, Not cool that you guys are going to do that and then make me come up and preach and expect me to have full emotional composure. Um, So we'll talk afterwards on that. Um, But no, it's just really, really grateful for just the love and support that, um, that you've shown my family and just speaking on behalf of the uh, Livingston's, Landrum's, and Cook's, just so grateful for all of you, the way that you guys all serve so well, um, that you guys are what makes it uh, easy and and, and uh, worth leading as well, that you guys are never look at us to say, well, you guys just do it all, that you guys partner with us, um, and we're just so thankful for all that you guys do uh, in helping us shepherd and care for this flock. Um, thank you for also bringing up our wives are such a huge part of our ministry, and it's a bummer that Ashley and Julie couldn't be here, but if you have their number, feel free to shoot them a text. Um, it means a lot to me uh, when uh, people thank Ashley for the stuff that maybe you see me up here doing, but just know that she is a huge part of that, and uh, we serve and we minister together as one unit, and um, she often doesn't, she doesn't like to be up in front of people anyway, but. Um, it's great. Uh, I would just encourage you to continue to uh, recognize her efforts as well. Um, all right. Now, with that all out of the way, um, launching into the teaching this week, um, again, trying to just gain my, my, my regular composure, I guess, but we are continuing on in this series of uh, the gift of obedience. I know Satchel last week did kind of an overview of uh, this, this idea of corporate obedience of communal obedience, and he talked about a couple of things about what it means to be you and me and us all together, uh, and that we are not committed to programs, but we are committed to serve a broken people. So we're gonna dive a little bit more into what that looks like, how that gets lived out within the scripture and Ephesians 4 and a few other things as it looks to, as we look to the obedience of church or obedience to church. And what that looks like, I know that a lot of us come from maybe some prior church backgrounds that maybe have some church hurt as well, and that can be a really tough thing to, um, to hear, to say, uh, to be obedient to a church people, organization, body, but we're going to talk through uh, some of the things that, that, that uh, I've learned over the last several years, and what we think uh, scripture has to say about what that looks like in a, in a healthy way. Uh, so, Uh, I've got a couple slides, so um, the first thing that, one of the things we're going to talk about today is first is, as believers, uh, that we are to be obedient to Christ's church. Then we're going to spend some time looking at uh, where Christ calls us to obedience in our local body of brothers and sisters, which also includes in our current time and place uh, that there is a church organization that helps us facilitate those things. And we're going to unpack how all those things work together as God's people, uh, the purpose for his local body, and the role of the lo- local church organization. Uh, as we unpack all those things, we're going to look at what is the opportunity that all of us have in the gift of obedience to, what does it look like to be obedient at those different levels, healthily? Uh, so we're going to start uh, in our reading today in Ephesians 4. Uh, so if you're still there, we're going to walk through the first couple of verses, and then we're going to go to a couple other places as well. Uh, we're starting here because I think this, the best place to start is we need to define God's people, right? We need to define this idea of a global church, of people that are acknowledging that Christ is the head. So if, as we look in verses 11 and 12, we see that uh, God is building a church here on earth, that the apostles and the prophets and evangelists were sent out to equip the saints for the work of ministry, building up the body of Christ. And then in verse 13, we get into um, what I refer to as begin with the end in mind. I'm a big a fan of the seven habits of highly effective people. It was a great book that I read even as a teenager um, that I still think about and look at in my work world. Uh, in my nine to five, I spend time in the insurance industry and um, a lot of the, the things that I learned through that book. And one of the things that, that Stephen Covey writes in there is that to begin with the end in mind. And really what that just means is know where you're going, know where your end destination is desired to be so that that first step you make, you're not on all in random directions, right? So know where you're headed, and that'll give you a clearer picture of where you're going. And that's what we see in verse 13. We see what is the goal, what is the end that God has for his people. We see that he wants us to grow in maturity of the whole, to be uh, unified in faith, to have the knowledge of the Son of God and to grow into the stature, the fullness, and representation of Christ. Now, he also gives us in verse 14 some of the pitfalls that we can expect or that we will encounter as we work towards that goal, to that end that he has for us. He lays out that to be aware of a lack of maturity that can stunt that growth and that unity of chasing new beliefs, of chasing doctrine, of chasing new worldviews is what that's uh, outlining and using the word doctrine. And I know we all know that there's no shortage of alternative worldviews to ones that are presented in the scripture that can change us to and fro. It also calls us to be uh, aware of human cunning. And sometimes it's easy to look at, well, the, the, the schemes and the deceitful plans, but I also want us to keep in mind that the, to be aware of the non-evil cunning, right? These things might be good, but they're also relying on the human um, organization, the human systems that we create that aren't bad, but also, depend, as we're gonna unpack later on in the, in the teaching, is where is the place for those, and what is the purpose? Also warns against the craftiness and deceitful schemes. In 15 and 16, uh, we really see the, 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 the whole body joined together as Christ as our head. So we see the whole body joined together, making the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we see in this first part in Ephesians, we see the, the global church defined as those that are um, obedient to God that, that uh, view him as um, their, their in their headship, and really this calls us to an opportunity. For obedience to, in this group. That we're all invited to be in, obedient and moving towards the goal of maturity in our faith in verses 13, 11 through 13. Why? So that we are not tossed about, so that we can withstand some of those pitfalls that are identified in 14. And we're all invited into the opportunity to uh, experience obedience in Christ's headship which creates this mass of people all over the the globe and throughout time um, to share in the same collective function and purpose and goal. Now, the call is not for us all to move into the same location and city and continent and just grow in this massive uh, physical collective, but that, as we're going to continue to unpack, is that the call is to spread out to the nations, so if you would turn to me to Matthew 28, 16 through 20, we're going to see a very common passage that you're, you may all be aware of. Again, that's Matthew 28, 16 through 20. It's otherwise known as the Great Commission. So now that we're in this giant uh, mass of people all throughout the, the, the world, we're going to see as, as Christ as our head, what is the, that our leader is giving us and calling us to do. So starting in 16... Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them, and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, that I am with you always, to the end of the age. So we see Christ's uh, authority given to him as the head of our group of believers uh, for those that identify and are led by him. He gathers them all together at that time and place, but really he gathers them together for the sole purpose to tell them, you guys got to go. You got to go out. I'm going to send you and give you this divine call to build this church all throughout the world. Not to fill pews, not to put butts in seats, but to build disciples to build a family of believers, and to love each other sacrificially. So before we go any further, I want to distinguish between a couple things, and I think of, uh, if you can go to the next slide for me. This is kind of that overview that we're, we're talking about, that we've we've unpacked the, the church body global, uh, and we're getting ready to dive into the church body local, so the purpose of Live, how to live out this great commission as we're being sent out to different parts of the world. What does that look like? And then later we're going to tie in the, the local church organization. So before we get into these next two points, I just want to kind of set some, some terms uh, to, to talk about and a couple of concepts to go through. So if you can go to the next slide for me. Uh, a couple things that we want to talk about is the, you may have heard the term invisible church. Uh, there's nothing necessarily in scripture that defines what a visible or invisible church is. It's something that uh, church scholars and theologians have developed this concept over time to try to explain what we see in scripture and who, what, what makes up these group of people in the visible and invisible church. Uh, so what you might have heard of the, uh, the invisible church, what that means is, is really the collection of people, as we talked about, that would identify under Ephesians 4 that are being led as Christ, as the, the head of their life. They're part of that group of believers, both now and in the past and in the future, that are identifying as Christ as their head. And really, truly, this, this, this group of people is truly only known, fully known by God. Now, we can look at our brothers and sisters and see fruit of their faithfulness, see fruit of their relationship with Jesus. But truly, the, um, to know if someone is being fully under the headship of Christ, he's the one that ultimately knows whether that person is or is not. So as we go to the next slide... Um, actually, can you skip to the next one? We'll come back to this one after. All right, so the visible church um, is what you see, very tangible things, what you see around us. It's buildings, it's organizational structures, it's budgets, it's resources. Things like that that make up the visible church. It's this corporate worship, what we're doing right here. Uh, it's collection of resource inputs and outputs. It's it's, fa- it's tangible. You can touch it. Uh, so those are very two traditional views of how to look at uh, the quote-unquote church as a whole, as the invisible and invisible. Now, if you could go back to that last slide, I want to introduce... It's not, a, not necessarily a new concept, but I just want to make sure that we understand what we're talking about when we break down these next two sections of the local church body, and the uh, church organization is that I'm trying to make a distinction here between these two groups that we just talked about, of the visible church and now this subset of the invisible church called the local church body. So what this looks like is, again, all of those same people that uh, would identify under Ephesians 4, uh, but that are also now living out the great commission of Matthew 28 living in a shared purpose executing on on that um, and then as we we hear about uh, the call to go through all over the, the world is to um, to live and we're talking about like living in proximity with one another to the benefit of one another as we see in Ephesians 4:16. and so I want to create this distinction because this group um, it might include a lot of the people that are in this room, but we're going to get into some of the key differences and why uh, I want to make this distinction as we unpack the local church body. So it's created through the combination of what we talked about, Ephesians 4 and Matthew 28, so that in living in proximity to one another, what that looks like is that the ability to care for someone has limitations outside of proximity, that it. The ability to care for someone uh, outside of proximity is not for a lack of care or affection, but just the reality that proximity allows us to help meet each other's basic needs. Uh, Like many of you, myself, I'm a transplant to Indianapolis. My family lives a couple hours away, uh, and I understand this well. Uh, Currently, as as I mentioned, my, my son is swimming at a swim meet. Uh, my parents lived two hours away. They decided this morning to come down and drive. I got up crazy early to come and watch my son swim at 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, and so they uh, have great love and affection, but they live two hours away. And that certainly proved true also when my son was born. My, it's a crazy story, but my daughter was in the hospital a couple days before. Um, long story. But the results ended up being my mom driving down Highway 69, probably four to six times in a 72-hour window, Again, long story we don't have time to get into, um, but I I mentioned that because juxtapose that again to I know that there's people in our our congregation. As an example, my, my wife can answer her phone and meet a need of a brother or sister in our congregation in 30 seconds. She was over at their house. Now she shaved off 15 seconds because she didn't put her shoes on, just ran out the door without her shoes on. But you see that this ability to be in proximity matters when we're caring for one another. It doesn't mean that I love my mom any less than I do my neighbor um, because she lives further away, uh, nor does my mom and dad love my brother's family anymore because they live just a few minutes from them. But it drives on this reality that proximity does matter when you're on mission and as we collect this, uh, uh, this group of people to meet the variety of needs. Now this alone is an incomplete purpose of the local body of believers because what I just described was a solid friendship, right? That I need you, you need me, we're gonna be there for each other. A lot of of people have that, right? So that doesn't make any unique distinction between a Christian body of believers. Um, And it's not a bad thing, but it is more fully realized when we also then drive home at the fact that these people, uh, the local church body, is living together to live on executing Matthew 28. To live in a shared purpose uh, changes from, I'll be there because uh, you were there for me, to I'm going to be there because we're on the same team. that We share the same purpose and we're part of the same team. And we're going to grow with each other into the fullness and maturity that is described in Ephesians 4. So what uh, does obedience and community mean? With purpose and function look like? We're going to use scripture to help define scripture as well. So we'll jump again uh, to 1 Corinthians 12.12. 12. And as my good buddy Dante always says, we're going to keep your, get paper, paper cuts on your thumbs. Again, 1 Corinthians 12.12. 12. We're going to give you carpal tunnel from scrolling on your e-bible. So we're going to start in 1 Corinthians 12.12. 12. Uh, as we look at, at what is the example that is set as how does this body of believers um, operate? How are they to uh, love one another and reach that fullness of maturity that God requires of us and has laid out for us? So begin in verse 12. For just as the body is one, it has many members, and the members of the body through many are one body, so it is with Christ. that would make it any less part of the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of, of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chooses. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, if any if there are any parts, yet one bo- there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you nor again the head or the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable, and those parts of the body we think less honorable we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. With our presentable parts we do not require, but God has composed the body, given great honor to the part that it lacked, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. It was such a beautiful way to outline how as a community of local believers and as a global body that we are to work together. That it creates this opportunity to be obedient to one another, to live out for those that identify as someone who is as Christ, as their headships, in Ephesians 4, it gives us the opportunity in obedience to bring what God has given you and me and us to benefit the whole body and most importantly serve the head, which is Christ. In obedience, we recognize the diverse needs and skills of the body and that casting out one damages the body. In obedience, we recognize that we have a God-given part to play and that sitting it out also damages the body. That in obedience, you and me and the follower of Jesus live out that great commission in Matthew 28. We, as members of the body growing in that fullness of maturity, have the opportunity from nine to five to live that out as a student, as a teacher, as a healthcare worker, working at, somebody working in medicine, technology, marketing, real estate, finance, government, and even the lowly insurance industry. As a builder, as a contractor, or other physically laborious employee, as a parent, raising a child while your spouse works out in the marketplace. As a daycare provider, working, caring for small children while both parents work in the marketplace living that out. We do that from nine to five. From 5 to 9, sometimes 10, 11, 12 at night, we care and encourage and serve in fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We show it to our neighbors that don't know Jesus on Summit Street, on Bevel, Tacoma, Dearborn, LaSalle, Park, Carrollton, Temple, Pleasant, whatever street you call home. We do it in adult rec rec leagues and community organizations throughout the week. We do it as tired parents making disciples of our children, knowing that their public school education, their public school school child still needs parents to invest in the growth of their biblical wisdom and discernment to support their reading, writing, and arithmetic from school. And discipling their private school child to know that their child needs their parents to model biblical wisdom and discernment and supporting the religious head knowledge they're experiencing at school. To disciple the homeschool child that receives instruction and discipleship but also needs that, that instruction and discipleship outside of nine to five and by more than just one adult. This is how God moves the kingdom in these ways. In our nine to five, in our five to nine, This is how God has designed the slow incremental relationships to be built to show his love through us, through those common body of believers that are all growing little by little to live into God's goal of living out Ephesians 4 to grow into maturity together. Obedience to this call also results in some degree of organization. There's benefits to it. At its most basic, we see in Acts 6, the appointment of Stephen and the first deacons to care for the Hellenistic widows, all the way to our current experience and our time and place that you can do a public record search and you can find uh, evidence of Soma Downtown Church, Incorporated. It's a domestic nonprofit corporation who actually, as I found out, needs to update their legal address because it still lists Midtown as our legal address. It was created on 5-18-2020, uh, and uh, we purchased a building, 445 North State Avenue, and subsequent properties on November 5th, 2021. That anniversary is coming up. That's great. Uh, that we have bylaws concerning the organization. We have uh, that concern the leadership, the membership, doctrine, discipline. You can find all of that that define Soma Downtown Incorporated Church as an organization. That is what we're looking at as, as the visible church, right? And so um, I don't want to downplay the importance of the organization, nor do we want to inflate the importance of this part uh, of the journey. And I think uh, if you can go back to that, that cycle as well, leave that up there for, for a bit. Thank you. Um, so as we're talking about the local church organization... Um, just as a reminder, that definition is, you know, the, the, what we see, touch, smell, all that stuff that I, out, I just outlined in terms of what you could do a public uh, search on uh, for corporate worship, for organizing of resources and inputs and outputs. The, there's tons of benefits. We see that uh, God, we know that God is a God of order and design. I also like order and design. And um, that we see throughout the first church, they took time to organize and collect their own resources. And Paul writes to them and tells them, this is good to do, to organize those resources have them ready so you're not uh, scrounging around at the time of need. There's so many benefits of being able to help us execute on this. I mean, could you imagine that if every two weeks we all had to Venmo all of our, our staff to like, pay them some, some, uh, an amount that probably fluctuates wildly Uh, At the times of the year. So, we create an organization that we all can pool our resources to so that we can provide um, an occupation for Kent and Satchel and Caleb and Cindy to execute on things that we need this church to do. I found that out firsthand how important that is. Uh, Over the last year or so, uh, we transitioned operations staff, and in that interim, myself and a few others tried to help fill the gaps as best we could. As I mentioned, I work my nine-to-five in the insurance industry, um, and so we were working on uh, the operations, trying to execute on that. And I can tell you from experience, it is much better that we have a full-time operations person than the uh, half-hearted job that I was able to accomplish and working either outside of my nine-to-five or sometimes inside my nine-to-five. That it is much better that Satchel is in that, uh, that role, uh, serving and, and running the operations. Also, in that time, as we were going through it and hiring, we had the opportunity to kind of look at how we we hired. So we were able to hire in a new and different way than than our church had ever done before. And in that process, we talked a lot, both as an elder team, as a staff team, and even with the people that we were interviewing for that job, we talked about the idea of, is it a business, is it a ministry? Is it operations, is it ministry? And I can tell you that it's both but the order of which that you view these things is very important, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, in prepping for this, uh, Kent reminded me of a quote from, from Zach Eswine. I should have put it up on the screen. That's my, my apologies for not doing that, but I'll go ahead and read it to you. As you enter ministry, you will be tempted to orient your desires towards doing large things in famous ways as fast and as efficiently as you can. But take note. A crossroads waits for you. Jesus is that crossroads because almost anything in life that truly matters will require you to do small, mostly overlooked things over a long period of time. The Christian call, because it focuses on helping people cultivate what truly matters, is therefore no exception. The small things that we described through our 9 to 5 and our 5 to 9 that I listed those are the things that are small, that are incremental, that often seem overlooked, that those are the things that will build the kingdom of God, that will take the gospel forward. But we also recognize that there is benefit, and with that body of believers, to organize ourselves so that we can execute together the work of equipping the saints for the work of ministry, building up the body in Christ as outlined in Ephesians 4. But not to build programs, not to make a name for ourselves, not to get as many butts in these seats as we can, but to organize ourselves to enable the work of the ministry so that we can be continuing to uh, minister in our 9 to 5 or 5 to 9. And that pitfalls often arise if we take this diagram, which is outlined in a clockwise manner. Some of the times the pitfalls come that we want to go counterclockwise, that we as believers want to first look at, well, how do we make this organization run like a business? How do we make it run efficient and as fast and highest growth and grow a multi-million podcast following and a whole YouTube congregation and and whatever other uh, pitfalls may come when you solely look at growing an organization that it can become results-focused. It can become how many people do we have sitting here. It can be metrics-based. And it can turn into a body of believers that was there to grow in maturity, and to take our resources to grow and make the ministry uh, even more feasible, it can then create monetary investors without co-laborers. And what we really, really need, yes, we need monetary resources to help these things, but we need co-laborers. We need all of us doing those things in the nine to five, the five to nine, to labor together and to not just be monetary investors in our congregation. We often talk about that the kingdom that we win people to is the kingdom that we lose people to. We talk about that as often. Um, I know Kensett mentioned it here from, from teaching. Uh, we often talk about it in our elder meetings as well. Um, and what that really means is that uh, how you win someone to an organization is often how you lose them, right? That if you, you solely are showing someone just the organizational prowess And look how uh, amazing we are at executing on a Sunday morning. As soon as something falls apart, some role changes. And I can tell you, things happen. Things happen in real business as well. Errors happen. um, That what can happen in church context is that if that's what draws somebody in, as soon as there's a road bump, there's a hiccup, it's what will drive them away. And so we pursue excellence because we think that uh, is honoring to God and our gifts that are given, but we also want to make sure that we're approaching this in the right way, that we approach it as a global uh, group of believers that are here on Sundays. And I'll tell you one way that, that I've often thought about this, that so Soma's existed, what, seven, eight years now, and we've had many peaks and valleys uh, over that time, and, you know, we've, we sent out a congregation to Northwest And uh, we've had, you know, large congregations, we've had small ones, and there's been different times that uh, my wife and I have often looked at each each other and said, you know, like, this whole thing were to fold tomorrow, I'm pretty sure we would still call and text all those same people and say, what are you guys doing on Sunday, right? Like, that's what that, that local body is meant to look like, and so it's easier for us to do that by saying, well, let's actually, you know, create this organization, pool our resources, and that's where that organization comes into play. So what does the opportunity for obedience look like? And that is that we have the, ob- the opportunity to Christ to prioritize mission before process. We have the opportunity to Christ for not neglecting how process can impact our mission and ministry. We talk about there's lots of opportunity that that organization of a committed body of believers can continue to grow that global body of believers and to, continue to perpetuate the cycle, whereas going the other direction and solely focusing on those things can create this doom loop of marketing and hiring and trying to promote and not how do we grow, be, create believers that grow disciples that then benefit one another and the purpose and mission God has. It helps us push towards one another in unity and love as we grow towards that maturity. Because I can tell you that in organizations, not everyone always sees eye to eye. I can tell you that in our elder conversations, where we've often started a topic is not where we've ended and we have talked things through and that's what pushes us towards unity, that we um, want our families and our body to be one that grows in unity together. I know that you and I have had conversations, or Kent or any of the other elders have had conversations where you didn't agree with maybe what the organization did or what even the, the body of believers did. But it's this obedience to try to grow into that maturity that keeps us coming back to that table to say that, are we still on mission together? Do we still believe that we are a body of people identified by Ephesians 4, trying to live out Matthew 28? Is that who we are? And if so, let's continue to sit at this table and figure out from an organized policy or procedure, organization standpoint, what does that actually look like? So we have this opportunity to live into the gift of obedience, that we're living into – got a bunch of music here. If you don't want me to do that, that's for sure – that we have an opportunity, as we review back where we started, of what it means to be you, me, and us, not committed to programs but to a broken people that we do that first by being obedient to Christ's church, where he's the head, to living into the call that our captain has for us, which is the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations. And in our current time and place, we do that together through Soma Downtown Church Incorporated in order that through all of those things, we continue to drive, share the gospel do the small things in our nine-to-five or five-to-nine that we do here on Sunday morning as we gather corporately and we continue to live in obedience to one another, growing into that maturity. So obedience is a gift and an invitation to join together to build our Father's kingdom.